0: Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. This episode is airing the weekend before Thanksgiving. So you're probably looking ahead to the upcoming holiday, maybe even planning some shopping afterwards or looking forward to December and the Christmas season. So I thought it would be fun to talk about some history of Thanksgiving and holiday traditions from the past. And you know what would be even more fun? Talking about Thanksgiving and holiday traditions with two amazing people who have a love for local history. Today I'm excited to have back on the podcast Bobby Mathis, the president of the Union City Society for Historic Preservation. Yay, hi. And also the wonderful and amazing Davey. Hey. <laughs> fondly remembered by so many as the morning mayor on the WBCK radio show for so many decades. So welcome back, Dave and Bobby. I hope you guys are looking forward to some wonderful holiday times ahead this year. Oh,
1: absolutely. For sure.
0: Well, thanks for coming on the podcast today. So, Bobby, you've spent a lot of time researching old archives and historical records and probably... All your amazing projects down in union city so have you ever come across any interesting details about thanksgiving or perhaps the holiday season that kind of struck you
2: yeah um yeah back you know back in the day um you know a lot of things were happening for union city during the turn of the mm-hmm. century and there was a peerless portland cement company that used to be here massive massive employer in this community and uh, as well as we have we used to have a movie theater downtown called the, the Broadway mm-hmm. Strand. And so I found a couple and, and hotels. We had like three hotels here in town, which was kind of interesting. So many of these establishments uh, and businesses I found were very, gave back to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, like the Port, Peerless Portland Cement Company used to give um, a, free turkeys out to all of their employees at the cement plant. Wow. Which for back then, I can imagine, it was quite a, quite a treat for those men. Um, back in 19, to turn of the century 1900 and about 1927, um, a lot of immigrants that were here. Wow. Um, and the management uh, just made sure that uh, regardless of uh, the other things that were scarce at that time, during especially during World War I, um, that this would be... Uh, that two hundred turkeys would be supplied to their employees they had you know roughly about that many employees and I thought that was kind of interesting that i that it went back that far
0: yeah that that is neat that's very cool
2: yeah i mean it was it was a huge huge boon to this town um the hotels used to have big Thanksgiving meals here people could come and eat you know a whole smorgasbord for like a dollar or two dollars but you know uh-huh. with change of, you know, rates and in, in the money, I'm sure it was quite a bit, you know, they had the whole fixings. Um, the other thing I thought was really interesting, the Women's Tuesday Club did a lot of stuff for the community, as well as the Congregational Church here in Methodist Church. Uh-huh. Um, they used to do the traditional programs and cantatas and concerts, and I saw in one um, that they used to have uh, the hydroelectric plant. We got 1924, uh-huh. They had uh so much uh were in the in the black, they did so well after the year after the dam was built that they gave free electricity away <laughs> for the remainder of the year. Wow. So they were doing really you <laughs> we were doing really well. Wow. Really, really well. So I'm sure that was a big treat in nineteen thirty eight getting this Later on, free electricity. Wow. Um, They used to have Santa Claus. And they used to have at the Broadway Strand free cartoons and matinees for the kids. Mm -hmm. Just, like, free movies, free cartoons. And I thought, well, back in the 40s, that must have been a real treat for the little kids in town. And we used to have a skating rink here, a big skating pond. And they used to flood, I think, if you remember, Dave, down by the Sap Shack. You know where the Sap Shack was in on our town. No, I
1: don't recall that.
2: It's off uh Broadway. It's off it's, it's like off outside Union City a little bit, not far from where I live, and they used to flood it and they were the community was uh, especially the church was really concerned that these kids had nothing to do mm-hmm. and that during these cold winter months, so it was a necessity necessity um that they would try to develop this year after year so the kids would as I say, have, you know, not getting into trouble and discipline and stuff like that. I thought that was, mm-hmm. and it and it stayed around here for a while. I mean, the skating ponds were kind of big around here.
0: You know, that's, that's interesting because we had up here in Battle Creek, um, Irving Park for a long time, apparently was a big skating um, pond. And people would come from all over the county and other areas to skate at Irving Park. Yeah, now it's just a big duck pond, but... Um, yes, yeah. Also, Piper Park, uh, when I did a, uh, I was researching the history of Piper Park, they used to flood... There used to be tennis courts there, and they used to flood that during the wintertime, and the kids would skate there. You know,
1: speaking of skating, kind of, um, down in our downstairs rec, rec area, I have got a pair of skates, and they are from my dad. And when he was growing up in Union City... And they would they would wow. strap onto your boots or your shoes. They weren't actually skates themselves, oh. but they were just kind of the runners, you know. Mm-hmm. And I found those uh-huh. hanging in my folks' house many many years ago over in Albion, and I had those uh, re replated, and it just turned out beautifully, just really? beautifully. And uh, <laughs> but he, I remember him used to talk about skating on the ponds there. You know, it seemed to be colder back in those days or something. because. Uh, but I've got those. But, Bobby, I also wanted to mention, and this is not Thanksgiving, but on um, Christmas, my I have uh, diaries from my great-grandfather, and they all lived in Union City. My dad was born there, and, you know, before that, uh, they, they go back a long way in Union City. I but do. in my, yeah, my great-grandfather's diary in the, uh, I think it was in the 1860s that he wrote that, well, I I wrote wrote it down. Great Grandfather's Diary, mid-1800s. Union City went to the tree today. Now, this was Christmas Day. Went to the tree. Now, I don't know what that means. Apparently, they had some kind of a community tree maybe in Union City. And maybe that was kind of the centerpiece. Yeah. I thought that was pretty interesting.
2: Right downtown, I think on the four corners there was a tree. I've read stories about this big tree downtown. So apparently, it was cool. that's wow. where. So it was,
0: was it was. A, lo- a tree that grew there? Was it a tree that grew there, or they just put one up every year? Oh, no,
2: I think they put one I'd, up I, every uh, year, didn't they?
0: Could be. Yeah. Yeah, wow. but I thought it was interesting and the, and the terminology. The, yeah, it must have been tree. special.
2: For the tree, the tree, yeah.
0: yeah yeah the tree the tree so Dave you grew up in Albion. Can you relate maybe some stories of Thanksgiving during that period? Well personally uh, my my mother had four sisters and
1: a couple of them lived in Marshall We lived in Albion a rather small house and I can recall Thanksgiving being very very special because. The folks from Marshall one year would come to our house in Albion. They'd always bring a ham with them or two or whatever into this little house that we lived in. I don't know how they all got in that house really. But then the the next year, the Albion folks would go to Marshall. And uh, it uh, it was a very special family occasion. And I can remember one day in particular on Thanksgiving Day, it snowed, and it snowed, and it snowed. And I remember going outside with my nephew. I was his uncle. Well, three, when I was three months old, I became an uncle because of the difference <laughs> in the ages of my brothers. So we went out and made snow angels in the snow on, on Thanksgiving Day. And I, it was a long time ago. But Thanksgiving was always a, always a very special time. And when I was in school in Albion, a very special time, Thanksgiving again, because we would have what was called chapel. And I don't think they have anything like that anymore. I mean, it would be against the law, probably, to have a chapel service or something in school. But I remember the music uh, for chapel in junior and high school. Great music, uh, high school choir. Remember the song, we gather together to know you know it just it just <laughs> sticks in my mind but uh, we uh-huh. gather together to ask the lord's blessings and that was always a very special program everybody enjoyed it very very much i don't think they can have that anymore bobby you would know that you're a school teacher probably they don't have things like that in school anymore but that was always uh, always very very special
0: now there's a interesting thing i did I was researching the history of thanksgiving and how it became an actual holiday and I found this on the one of the historical sites for the archives up in Washington, uh, History Arts and Archives. And it says that George Washington, on November 26, 1789, issued a proclamation for a day of public thanksgiving and prayer. Hmm. And that was the beginning of it. And then I think it was up to the presidents between then and then eighteen. 18- 70 or something, or up to President Lincoln's. Lincoln actually started establishing a Thanksgiving right after the Civil War or the, uh, during the Civil War. It remained kind of a tradition for presidents to just choose the date of Thanksgiving every year. And it didn't become an official congressional holiday until uh, 1870, actually, when they um, followed suit. We're trying to make it a holiday. They passed Christmas Day, New Year's Day, Independence Day, and Thanksgiving at the same time in the same bill, but they made Thanksgiving at the discretion of the president, which was kind of interesting. So every year the president would issue a proclamation, and I found uh, several presidents' proclamations in the old newspapers of what the, you know Wilson and so forth. It wasn't until um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt decided to change it to the third Thursday instead of the last Thursday of the month that there kind of became an uproar in Congress. And he did that because he was trying to give retailers an extra week of sales to come out of the Great Depression. And so there was a bill that was finally introduced by a Massachusetts uh, congressman. Hmm. And then eventually the bill that actually got passed that made it permanently the final Thursday in the month was by Earl Missioner of Michigan, and his bill was passed in on this October 6th, 1941. And it was signed by President Roosevelt. And after that, it's been Thanksgiving on the Thursday ever since then. It's kind of an interesting time track in the history of it, you know. that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Do you have any other interesting stories about your years with WBCK, Dave?
1: Well, yes, indeed. Uh, we, for quite some time at the radio station, would have a sing-along, a holiday sing-along. And it was broadcast live. And generally, it was early on, I think they did have them from the old Security National Bank building. But uh, later on, we had the annual holiday sing-along at uh, the arena, McCamley Place. Uh, not the arena, mm. but on McCamley Place, which is now gone. It's been torn down now. But uh, we had song mm. sheets that were passed out. Um, myself, along with Tom McHale, <clears throat> we were the co MCs. And generally, Mary Jo Campbell, who has now passed on, was our accompanist. Uh, I think that uh, Judy mm. Angood also at one time. But uh, we would have um, a sing-along. We would sing uh, the traditional songs and all. Mm -hmm. And we had the Battle Creek Sweet Adeline Chorus that would uh, join us on that occasion. And we would also have the Serial City Christmas uh, uh, Chorus, the Battle Creek Barbershoppers. But that was always very, very popular. And one of the early organizations, I think, that started to ask folks to bring non-perishable foods canned goods and so on, uh-huh. uh, as, as that we could distribute later on for, for folks. But that was always very, very special. And along about that same time, Battle Creek became very famous for um, the Festival of Lights, the International Festival of Lights.
0: Right. I've seen a, a lot. And it's still somewhat there, but it's in a different it's, form some, today. It's somewhat there. Yeah. But it
1: was huge. Mm-hmm. When when that first began, which was what, back in the 19, maybe the 1990s, maybe? Uh, back in that era. Uh, It was huge, and the lights were just beautiful. And they still are beautiful, but Mm -hmm. they really had an emphasis on International Festival of Lights. So it was was a very, very special time, that's for sure. I also, well, I I was going to say, if we can back up just a minute, it's kind of a Sure. Funny story, and I, I don't want to take too much time with it, but uh, when
0: I <laughs> we're always ready for a funny Dave Eddie well, story. I'm ready. I, <laughs> I
1: don't know if you find it funny or not, but I, it was very interesting. <laughs> I thought at first, gotten into the into the business, I began working at WALM in Albion at the Albion Marshall mm-hmm. Station, and I got into that right right out of high school. Started selling radio time, and eventually worked into. Uh, uh, the boss heard me doing some taping one night, and so um, he he said you ought to be on the air rather than trying to sell advertising. So here I was, a snotty-nosed kid, and uh, Art Goodwin was a was a salesman for the Marshall area. So he's he sold a two-hour slot on Christmas Eve to. Um, the Michigan Carton Company at that time. Now, Mickey Uh Finn was the president of the Michigan Carton Company, and he was the owner, you know, these two big houses in Marshall that sits on either side of Kalamazoo Avenue. One side, Uh uh, a huge, I think it was built in uh, in the 1830s. And the house that I was to broadcast from here, I am brand new Uh, not really knowing what I'm doing as if I do now. I don't know. But it was 1957 or 58, and they wanted me to do the broadcast. So they were going to have recorded music for two hours on WALM on Christmas Mm -hmm. Eve. So this was my first time away from the family on Christmas Eve. This was the break, you know. That uh, So here I Mm -hmm. was working on Christmas Eve, and... We had this all set up. We installed a phone line in the uh, house. The one that I was broadcasting from is known as uh, Stone Hall. And if you're, okay. heading, if you're heading north on Kalamazoo Avenue, it's the one on the left, on the west side of the road. And these two big, okay. huge mansions there. And that belonged to Mickey Finn. That was his house. And that's where we're going to broadcast from. We had the lion installed and so on and so forth. And we had to fill some time because uh, we, 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 he wanted Handel's Messiah played during that period of time. Mm-hmm. The, um, the fellow who set this all up was Bill Biggs, William R. Biggs, who became the owner of Biggs Gilmore Advertising, a multi-million dollar advertising agency in Kalamazoo. But at that time, he was working for Crow Carton Company and Hmm. he uh he wrote a book in later years uh which was now about 20 years ago i think he wrote this book and he uh i I just want to quote if i could if i got time to do this uh, oh
0: absolutely it's plenty of time
1: this uh, the book was called random thoughts and bill biggs i got to know in albion uh as he was a college student over there but later on then he went into the advertising business and he was a he became a multimillionaire. Uh, because of this uh, particular advertising agency. But um, as he says in the book, Mickey Finn says, we want to sponsor two hours of uninterrupted music, and the program will run from 8 to 10 o'clock on Christmas Eve. Those were the instructions. Let's make the music handles Messiah, and for obvious reasons um, why um, Mickey uh, called... Mr. Biggs into the office and wanted to know what was going on, you know, and uh, he gave him the outline of the program and so on. So he said, I'm going to go home, tell my wife, Ellie, that we're going to have a party connected with this. Well, <laughs> this, uh, <laughs> this worked out fine. Well, Stone Hall was built in, in 1837, one of the finest examples of great revival architecture in the nation, and it made a wonderful setting for a Christmas holiday party. I'm reading from the book now. We drilled a hole in the floor of the den, right in this beautiful house. We drilled drilled this hole so that the telephone wires could uh, actually be set up. We set up the radio equipment in the basement. At nine o'clock approached, I lined up the speakers for the live portion of the broadcast. We were going to have Mm -hmm. a live portion of the broadcast. Harold Brooks, a very, very well-known name in Marshall, Mm -hmm. Brooks Mountain, Mm -hmm. uh, Brooks Memorial Methodist Church, uh, Harold Brooks. He was a mayor at one point, yes, wasn't he, he? Yes, he was. He was a great benefactor. He gave the the uh, building for the uh, city hall uh, as, mm-hmm. as well. And uh, Harold Brooks from across the street came over, and Winshuler was there, of course. Wow. So here we go. So uh, both of these locally famous individuals extended their Christmas greetings to the community, and then I had Mickey read Dr. Peter Marshall's Christmas prayer to the United States Senate. The fact that Mickey had entered into the liquid phase of the party with his usual gusto only, <laughs> only added to the dramatic reading of the world-famous poem. So, Needless to say, <laughs> needless to say uh, we had quite a time that night. As, as a young neophyte in the business, that was quite an introduction to live remote broadcasting. But
0: I, I, just, I bet you were a nervous wow, wreck at nervous the same time. Wreck. I <laughs> was
1: scared to death for crying out loud. Here are these big shots, huge big shots, in Marshall, the owner of Kroll Carton Company, and, uh, and uh, Harold Brooks, Winshuler. But uh, mm-hmm. we did have a pretty nice time that night. I, I just thought that was kind of an interesting thing. And it also served as the, my first my first Christmas Eve away from the family.
0: So, wow.
1: and then from then on, mm-hmm. of course, into the radio business, there is no such thing as is uh, holidays, no such thing. So you work holidays and and uh, and all. So I spent many many Christmases, many Christmas eves, many Thanksgivings, many other holidays working. So mm-hmm. kind of rough on the family, but that's facts of life. So I don't know if that's interesting enough. You know, I I just thought it was.
0: Yeah. I love <laughs> <laughs> So not that you can top that story, Bobby, but
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. do you have
0: any other traditions, uh Christmas traditions and from the season down uh either in Union City or somewhere else that you may have been?
2: Um Uh I can't really think anything I think except the you know, the tree like he mentioned before and um Just uh, I think the churches played a big part in a lot of activities here with their cantatas and their choirs. Uh And I know the Masons, the Masonic uh, temple down here, did a lot of big dinners as well. So I know every year the Masons were doing something large scale. Um, And I think a few businesses from reading the papers were always trying to give back to the community. Uh, It's a small knit community. So everybody knew everybody there. Um one other story I can think of is not maybe not necessarily about um Christmas or Thanksgiving but being snowbound in Union City there was a story where everybody in Union City was trapped they couldn't get out of town wow. they had to like the, the road between 8 mile and Union City was so drifted shut that you know businessmen from Chicago had to stay there because you know they had traveled to do business in Union City and they talked about farmers going up into the hayloft, getting like their old sleds down, mm-hmm. like their old big sleighs. They called something cutters. They were called cutters oh, back yeah. then. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, yeah. And one person in the, it mentioned that they'd never even seen one before in real life. Mm-hmm. And it was really unusual to see these old timers getting their old sleighs out and having to make that trip because – the postal you know the postal service couldn't go anywhere nobody could go anywhere so when you were snowed in and you were in Union City you were pretty much snowed in mm-hmm. you weren't going anywhere Wow. because we only had like you know one road between Battle Creek and Union City and that was it wow so i thought that was and there was a there was a, another story about a big school riot here a big school strike where during the holidays right before thanksgiving i think it was in the 40s a student threw an orange at the wall during lunchtime <laughs> And uh, it caused a huge riot. All the students were mad because the the principal was coming down on this kid that threw an orange at the wall. Hmm. And they went on strike. And, like, it lasted until well after the New Year. Kids refused to come back to school. They were angry that, you know, they were punishing their friend who had a lunchroom riot <laughs> down here.
0: <laughs> wow. Different times. I give the
2: name of the, the guy, but he might have family around here, so maybe they don't want to hear which orange guy did <laughs> it. Uh, uh, uh. But they, they liked it. They, were, they stood behind him. So Interesting. Must have been pretty crazy cafeteria <laughs> wow. stuff going on.
0: Well, I came across this interesting story that came out of – Camp Custer, or Fort Custer, I guess it was later called. Um, and it was published on November 28th, 1918. And it was in the, the newspaper that was published in Fort Custer for two years there called Custer Life. And now 1918, that Thanksgiving, that was like a week or two after armistice. So the war had finally been finished, but there was still a tremendous amount of soldiers here at Camp Custer. And Dave and I determined that there was at least 30,000 because that big, famous photograph with them forming the shield Mm -hmm. was taken on Armistice Day 1918. So that would have been a couple of weeks before Thanksgiving. So there was at least 30,000 soldiers there or more at the camp. And this article says, Thanksgiving Day dinner's plentiful. Uh, Camp Custer men get invitations to spend holidays in homes of Battle Creek folks. Hundreds of soldiers from Camp Custer are going to have a real Thanksgiving dinner in homes of Battle Creek and nearby towns through the home hospitality plan of the War Camp Aww. Community Service. Although a great many of the men will be permitted to go home for Thanksgiving, the majority of them live too far away to get home. These are uh, There are men at Camp Custer from practically every state in the Union, and these are the ones who will be looking forward to Thanksgiving dinners from home hospitality committee. Mm. So I thought that was a really wonderful story. And there's a lot of pictures of, I know the Methodist church has some pictures from that year where they had a hall full of soldiers. They were serving Thanksgiving dinner to, So I know all the churches in town had these big things for the soldiers, but you know, the fact that everybody was opening up their homes to, um, that hosts and hostesses are being lined up in their numbers so that every soldier who can get away from camp and wants an invitation out to Thanksgiving dinner will get it. So that's that's oh, quite an amazing story. It's got to be the best Thanksgiving story I was able to find. <laughs> <you know?
2: laughs> oh, yeah. That's wonderful. You know, getting
1: back to Christmas for just a moment. Sure. Um, back when... Um, I had three brothers. Two of them were in the uh, Second World War, and they're the ones who used to decorate the Christmas tree, which was a live Christmas okay. tree that we had in our living room. And all of a sudden, the job fell to me because they were all gone. So, um, so I had to decorate the tree. But do you remember bubble lights? They were a little yes. candle-shaped thing, yeah. you know, and I, I think yeah. some companies bring those things back or have in the past, but those were very, very popular back in the day, mm-hmm. along with the Christmas lights that you had on your indoor Christmas tree were huge, at least ours, oh, yeah. ours were. And, yeah,
0: and, one, and you had to find the one bulb oh, that went out. Yeah, or yeah.
1: absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But yeah. the bubble lights, um, then later on, my folks got really into it and they bought a uh, silver metal christmas tree which they were very popular at one time
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you had yes. a, you had a disc with different colors of uh, papers and this disc would turn you had a motor on it and it would turn so you had a red <laughs> you had a yellow i guess blue and so we had that for a number but horrible what horrible I mean, it's awful. <laughs> but, wow, uh,
2: that would have been.
1: Yeah, but uh, and the silver tree. icicles, wow. you know, you'd put those things on there, even though the tree mm-hmm. was silver and everything. But those are some yeah. some of the Christmas thoughts from from my past growing up. But mm-hmm. uh, some folks probably don't even know what. I, Bobby, you probably don't even know what I'm talking about when I talk about.
2: I do, but I do. <laughs> I I have seen. I I know exactly what you're talking about. I've seen those in um, museums, <laughs> like you no know, flea markets oh, yeah. and you know vintage. Everything's mid-century modern. So a lot of believe it or not, there's a lot of people that want that stuff back in their house. It's coming. It's popular yeah. again. Everybody wants mid-century modern furniture, trees. They love that. That look, you know, that kind of 60s retro space mm-hmm. age mm-hmm. 50s look is what is. I think it's back in. I think a lot of people are, are I would try one in my house. I think it sounds cool. <laughs> I, I had,
1: we had that uh, we had the, the the thing and it actually worked this little motor that, that turned and and the, the wheel. And I think one of the family members actually wanted that. So I I don't think I have it around anymore, but uh, we had it for years and years and years. Kind of went out of vogue after a while, but uh, uh-huh. those were the days.
0: Now there was a big Christmas tree. They had a mall in downtown Battle Creek at one point. Remember they closed right. off the you know the downtown and they you know they made it all paved and whatnot. In the old photos, but there was a big Christmas tree at the center of that outdoor mall. Yes. And did WBCK do programs out there during that time? Because I remember seeing there was in some of the old photos, as I recall correctly, there was like a Santa um, either a Santa box there or something yeah, or some they kind did of uh, Santa box
1: and Santa was there, of course, uh, as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, we did uh, we did a lot of remote broadcasting around town. but uh, this, mm-hmm. the, the one that I told you about earlier the the one at McCamley Square. Uh, was the sing along right, and uh, prior to that, they had uh, programs with the big uh, Battle Creek Central chorus and so on in the Security National Bank lobby, which is now the Milton downtown. Right, a beautiful location for something like that. So oh,
0: yeah, you know, involved mm-hmm. a
1: lot of people, a lot of people.
0: You've got some stuff coming up in Union City for this holiday.
2: Yes, we do. Uh, the historical society has uh has a few things happening. They have the Christmas wassail, wassail, ice wassail, hustle. Um, and wassailing yeah, or whatever. The- <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's like, a uh, we're going to have hot drinks and treats at the Hammond House, and the museum's going to be open for tours right before the Santa Parade. You can come and get warm at the Hammond House and check out. We're going to, we're going to have the house decorated. Um, and uh we're gonna invite people in for tours right before, and then they'll go to the santa parade that's november twenty sixth and that's from mm-hmm. three pm to six pm so if you can get down to Union City or up to Union City or wherever you're living um come mm-hmm. and see our our house we have we'll have it on display. We have a lot of cool old toys there, and um that and then the next big thing we have is December eleventh. Uh, we're having a Christmas tea, kind of a hist- kind of like tales from the past, but history tea um, social, where you can come and have uh, tea mm-hmm. and food, and and then there's going to be music, and we're going to tell a few uh, older stories from Union City. Some of the re- past residents um, have some really cool older stories, and then we're going to make. Yeah, since I'm an art teacher as well, we're going to make a small craft they can stay. And, and make make so it's like a make and take kind of thing but with tea and food and music it'll be fun and that's uh December eleventh from one to three PM at All Things Serenity in Union City. it's a yoga studio and an event center here. And um uh-huh. the tickets are still on sale. Uh they're at sale at Miller's pharmacy. They're only ten dollars uh-huh. and our our okay. Christmas Hammond House tour is free. You can just come in and and get some good history and food.
1: That's on a that's All on a right. Saturday, right, Bobby? Uh,
2: the the Hammond House tour is a Saturday, yes, yeah, twenty six, uh, yeah. The He is a Sunday. It's a Sunday.
0: Okay, that well, sounds like both. We just have to camp out in yeah, Union City right. but if you Absolutely. and I go down there. We'll, yeah. we'll just grab a hotel or <laughs> something and. Bed and breakfast. Pick oh, we'll Martin. stay at the old spooky house with a ghost. Victorian
2: Villa. Come and oh, stay yeah. there. I, yeah. they do be- <laughs> I'll tell you who. They decorate that home so beautifully for Christmas. I, I recommend anybody uh, come down here and check that out. It's it's wonderful.
1: They they do open it then, Bobby, for Christmas um, uh, visitors? I think you
2: can make arrangements to have – you can stay there. I don't I don't know if it's going to be open to the public, but it's definitely – a very, if you wanted a Victorian experience, um, that is the place to stay. It's got a lot of history and, and they, they have a lot of good decorations there. And then it's real close, it's right down in the downtown area.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, within walking mm-hmm. distance at mm-hmm. least. Mm-hmm. I also want to let listeners know that we have a special program at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum on December 17th. And it's entitled Tales of Christmas Past, in which not only are my two guests, Dave, Eddie, and Bobby Mathis taking part, but yours truly, I will also be a part of it. So what kind of teasers can we give the audience, guys, about this incredible show? We don't want to give anything away, but... I know there's a 200-year-old poem that we're going to be reading. I don't know if you checked your emails. We added that to the agenda. I heard some talk about naughty and nice...
2: Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that's all about. Ooh, there's going to um, be some
0: naughty and mm-hmm. nice. Maybe I heard there's going to be
2: maybe maybe a a Lord of Misrule there.
0: <laughs> yes, that's right. Our Lord of Misrule. You want to know what the Lord of Misrule he is? You're going to have to come. Yeah,
1: he's very naughty. Nice. And he's from
0: the 1600s. <laughs> yeah, we we dug up a bunch of poems and um, stories that were written in the Victorian era. And they're gonna be all the 1800s. And it's a we're doing two performances of this on December 17th at the Battle Creek History Museum. And the first is at two o'clock, it goes from two to four. The second show is from six to eight. And the ticket locations, you can buy them at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum. They're usually available there on weekends. So that's the easiest way to get tickets there. But you can also pick them up at Honor Credit Union locations in Battle Creek at the three Battle Creek Honor Credit Union. One's on Helmer Road, the other's on Beckley, and the other's over in Urbendale. And then there's also Big B Coffee out at Fort Custer on the Hill Brady Road, and they have tickets there. And then the Arts Center Battle Creek has tickets. So there's we got tickets in five different locations outside of the museum that you can pick up tickets at during the week or on weekends so it's going to be great tickets are ten dollars and there's limited seating and there's limited tickets so you got to get them soon they're starting to sell pretty fast and you want to definitely put that on your agenda to go and see on december 17th you get to see the great bobby mathis and the magnificent dave eddie (laughs) you are
2: magnificent dave
0: oh yeah thank you thank you (laughs) 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 so any last minute or last uh tales that you want to tell about christmas or the holidays in this region Dave? probably
1: after we uh leave the air here i'll think of a lot of things i would have liked to have said but uh Mm -hmm. as usual uh i can't think of anything right now
0: it's just a but i think about Mm -hmm. the when they used to have the Mm interurban through town were, were you no, around when that no, was still running? No, I wasn't. No.
1: <laughs> but I wish. Sometimes I wish I was because I, it's fascinating. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> Inter-urban is fascinating, and you know, you drive to to Albion or, or Marshall from Battle Creek, uh, you can still see mm-hmm. the where they built up the the, the the what do they call it the, the Oh yeah, you can still see it.
0: There's still some yeah. tracks out there. There's still tracks out there yeah. in rural areas where you see an old railroad track that looks too narrow for normal railroads. That mm. was the interurban yeah. for that area, and they're just abandoned. Yeah. They left them there, and it's kind of neat because there's the reason I mentioned is I remember coming across some of the snow time stories related to that, and they used to put a a wood burning stove inside the interurban mm. to heat it up for mm-hmm. passengers. And Or coal burning, you know. They'd have these things going up Maple Street, which was Capitol Avenue here in Battle Creek. And uh, it's just an interesting thing. You know, it's just pictures of those interurban tracks going up in the snow. They actually had a stove inside the thing, you know. Those were the days. You know, those were the days. <laughs> this is
2: something I've never heard of. This is like a, what, a mini, like, train or something? Oh, mini-
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. The interurban systems were like trolley cars. They went oh, all over the state. Okay. Uh, they went all the way um i don't know that they ever made it as south far south as union city i know that there were plans to build one down to athens and then it got abandoned uh and they disappeared right around the the growth of the automobile yeah, the buses, industry they started getting phased out and the bus yeah, the buses, yeah.
2: yeah. oh i know i knew the, the bus route came over. through here There was a bus like a greyhound yeah. route they used to have and so i knew that
0: yeah yeah there were inner urban tracks all over battle creek and they went uh well, they went to Kalamazoo. You could go up to Grand right. Rapids. You could get on an urban interurban and go all the way to Detroit. You know, Wow. and um, it's just a fascinating time period. They were all, you know, they were, there were different sizes. The ones that went between cities were larger than the ones that were in town.
1: And later you know, on, there guys, a... um, there were, I know in Albion there were two of the interurban cars. Uh, one uh, was mm-hmm. uh, on Austin. Uh, both of them were on Austin Avenue. As a matter of fact. One was used by some private individual, but over uh, where the big corn factory is over there now on uh, West Michigan Avenue mm-hmm. out of Albion, uh, they used one as a, a tavern. It was called the streetcar. That was the name of this. Oh, yeah. wow. So uh, I remember drinking root mm-hmm. beer in there as a youngster. So, yeah. Wow. But yeah. those, those are both gone now. You don't see too many of the cars around anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, and then there's the old stories of the guys that would gather ice out of Lake Gogwak, mm-hmm. Gogwak Lake. And, yeah, you
1: know mm-hmm. they'd
0: go out and cut ice and haul ice into town and to the sanitarium. And history is just a lot of amazing you know, winter stories is that so were
1: interesting. I'll tell you, it was just yeah. fascinating. How yeah, well, they used to well, do things. Do
2: you, do you guys remember? I don't know if you guys know this little town called Hodunk near us. You know how
0: dunk? Oh, yeah, well no. yeah. I, I've seen the signs for it. it yeah, it's definitely
2: like you blink and you miss it. Which but way, there used to be right. there used to be a hopping like bar and tavern there and, and all sorts of crazy dances going on. Everybody from New York City go over to Hodunk and they would have their New Year's <laughs> Eve parties and dances and stuff. Not that we don't have our, our own, you know, like the bucket here and all that stuff, but I, I find it fascinating mm-hmm. the, to look at these old ads for these places that for these old dance halls that used to be everywhere, mm-hmm. and they would just come far and wide to go to the New Year's Eve dance here or there.
1: Yeah, those dance halls were very, very popular. Uh, they had one out at Beetle um, yep. Lake, there was one out at Clear Lake, uh, mm-hmm. north of uh, Battle Creek. Well, they were everywhere, just mm-hmm. about every lake of any size at all, you would have um you would have a dance hall, and many times they were mm-hmm. built out over, over the lake.
0: Wow! And there's one, there's one up in remains of one up in Penfield. I don't know if they're still using it anymore. I've never seen anybody in there, but there's an old dance hall out towards up M sixty six.
1: Yeah, they were very, very popular. I guess Bobby forgot to pay her electric bill or something. We just lost her. I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh yeah, snowstorm right, is coming right, in probably right. who knows
1: but well it's just been I'm <laughs> so glad uh, Michael that you put uh, these things together because it's so interesting to talk about uh, uh history and about the area so mm-hmm. I think she's trying
0: You back try Bobby? To get
1: back I think but uh, there now we
0: got the- <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Go go ahead and tell us the story uh, before you...
2: It's Mickey. Oh, You just have to skip the story. It's it's okay. I don't know if you can hear me.
1: Well, let's let's mark that down for the next time. Because I want to hear the story. I want to hear the story.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's been a pleasure having you guys on again. It's just wonderful. I I wish, I hope you guys have a wonderful holiday. I hope you have a lot of good times around Thanksgiving, and I'm sure we're going to be seeing a lot of each other as we prepare for our big show on December seventeenth. Yeah, like
1: to have a nice, nice, big audience.
0: So definitely mark all those dates down for Union City. Um, I will put the links to that in the description of this podcast, so you can find them there. And I'll put the links to the museum website there, where you can find out the information about tickets. If you didn't get that, and then definitely find tickets and go to the, these shows. This is going to be a wonderful holiday season. And a lot of great history wrapped up with Christmas celebration.
1: Thank you, Michael, for yeah. uh, making this all possible. It's uh, you do a marvelous job, and uh, you're to be congratulated. Yep, appreciate well, thank it. Thank you. Appreciating being a part of it.
0: Well, I've been talking with Bobby Mathis from the Union City Society for Historic Preservation. Unfortunately, her signal dropped out right towards the end of the interview. So if you're wondering where she went towards the end, she was talking to us, but we could not hear her. A little bit of a weather problem this evening with a storm front coming in. And we think it affected some of her uh, communication lines down in Union City uh, towards the end of our interview there. And my other guest on this show has been Dave Eddy, the morning mayor, a legend of WBCK radio for many years in the Battle Creek area. And we've been talking about holiday stories and Thanksgiving and traditions and just exploring some wonderful little tidbits of history. And I'm going to put the dates and information down for the events that Bobby mentioned that's happening in Union City in the description of this podcast episode. And I will also put the information down for the Tales of Christmas Past show and all of the places that you can buy tickets for, as well as a link to the museum website in the description of the podcast. And I really hope that you will buy a ticket and come and see us perform. It is going to be a fabulous, fun evening. Let me tell you, it is going to be so wonderful. So please mark your calendar for December 17th and get your tickets before they're sold out. And Bring your family, bring your kids. Uh, recommended for kids 10 and older, typically. So, And if you'd like to reach out to me, you can always find me at michaeldelaware.com. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners and you can send me a message through there. And until next time, when we take another wonderful journey into yesterday and explore yet another fascinating chapter in Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you for listening.